Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, what's up everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you are all staying grounded, finding space, and creating moments in your day that can allow you to connect back with what's truly important, the voice inside of your heart. I am extremely excited actually to be introducing this week's guest, Miss Susie Carter. So the topic of conversation in this specific episode is crisis and how you can find the courage to ask for love and support in times when things are really sort of chaotic and out of control. And Susie is no stranger to crisis. Uh, She's a survivor of abuse. She used to be a low-paid hairdresser before deciding to be an entrepreneur, and since then she's built two $10 million companies, and she supports other entrepreneurs to help them build businesses and create dreams and achieve financial abundance and all of it. And she has come from such an incredibly humble background that I think you're going to find a lot of beauty in Susie's story because, you know, crisis is one of those things that's, in my opinion, self-defined. Like the world is constantly in chaos. There's always things changing. Everything's in flux. But your relationship with crisis is actually your relationship with yourself. And so when you go through entrepreneurship and you hit these lows and these highs, you tend to almost be forced to a fork in the road. And in that fork in the road, you can try figuring things out on your own, or you can allow the universe, you can allow the people in your life, you can allow others to help you find that voice, find that that place of strength and security within yourself. And that's what this episode is really about. I mean, we talk about everything from first we start defining what a crisis is. We talk a lot about listening to the voice of truth and how to find the whispers instead of just waiting for the tsunami of life to give you the next step. What role does self-love play inside of asking for help and leadership? What's your relationship with surrender? How do you know how to how do you know how to ask for help? I mean, you name it, we we touched on it in this episode and it was a beautiful 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 reminder for me to continue allowing love in. You know, for me that's been one of the biggest lessons in 2020 is how can I allow more support into my life? How can I stop trying to have it all figured out on my own? How can I actually let my guard down and let people in and let them surprise me? And uh, that's one of the biggest things I took away from this episode. And it was a beautiful reminder. And I'm excited for you guys to enjoy uh, Susie's wisdom and just explore everything that she represents uh, through this incredible conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy it. If you haven't already Subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, all that means is that, or Spotify or any of them, but all that means is that every single time we release a new episode, it drops right into your inbox so that you never have to miss a conversation, an update, or even just a, something going on in my life that I just want to share. You guys can always just grow with me. 
Uh, so subscribe if Susie said anything or if I said anything in this episode that reached out to you. Get in touch with us on social media. All the links are in the show notes and everything. But guys, enjoy this episode. I uh, hope you guys are staying well. Thank you so much for choosing to be with us today. And without further ado, here's the amazing Susie Carter. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you guys are all finding peace and strength in some of these trying times. It's crazy the times we're alive in right now. And I'm just so excited to have this week's guest, Susie, here to help us navigate it all. Hello, Susie. What's up? Thank you. First, thank you for what you're doing in the world. What a gift. What an honor and what a gift. We need more people like you spreading love, spreading joy, possibility, right? Having real conversations about real shit that's in the world and making a difference. So thank you. I appreciate it. I could probably echo the exact same words about (laughs) you and you're doing incredible work. And I, I mean, I said this earlier, I mean, your story is mind-blowingly inspiring and I think it's so necessary and needed during these times I mean like right now we're we're facing crisis most people are facing crisis in a way that they've never faced before you know just knowing what I know about you and your story you're no stranger to crisis so I was wondering if we could maybe start by defining the playground you know like what do you define as a crisis Mm, that's a juicy question well I think I've I'm a survivor of many things, right? Of childhood abuse, sexual abuse growing up, right? Verbal abuse. I, I got married and married what I grew up in, right? I thought that, that was love. If you're not yelling at me or hitting me, apparently you don't love me, right? Which is completely dysfunctional. But I learned in an early age that I learned how to manage crisis. I learned how to be invisible. I learned how to navigate a lot of turmoil. And not that that was good, but that, you know, at an early age, I really had to learn how to do that. So for me, I don't look at crisis like some people, like I'm watching people in this season, it's devastating them. And I'm like, why, why can I rise above it? Why can I really sit on top of it, still manage it, still see it, still acknowledge it, but don't let it run me or shut me down, right? I think there's three kinds of people that are in the world right now. It's the party people like, let's have a party, right? <laughs> Like, we're not working. <laughs> then there's those people who are like, what happened? I, I just need the world to get back to normal. And then you have generals that are like, let's just get stuff done. Like pivot, reimagine, reinvent. How do we support people through this? You know, I'm a servant leader and a servant heart. And I just want to yeah. help my tribe, my community. Let's navigate this together. You know, get back up, pull your big girl panties on, pull your man drawers up, right? Let's Let's navigate through this. And so for me, I just look at it as opportunity to go, what's needed? How do I pivot? How do I support my clients differently? What are the tools I need to give them? What are the tools I need to give my family? How do I support that? Right. So I don't look at business as it's a nine to five. I look at this is my lifestyle that I choose. I choose to help people build their wealth, help people make money, help people live their passion and their dream in the face of no agreement. And right now we're in the face of no agreement meaning everything's not in alignment for an entrepreneur, but most entrepreneurs rise in economies like this, right? Mm-hmm. Because we have to be innovative, because we have to think differently, because, you know, it, we can think out of the box and have to think out of the box. One for survival, right? You can't do what you used to do in 2019, 2018, 
right? It was a complete halt reinvention for my business anyways, and most of my clients. We had to halt, pivot, turn, reinvent to go, how are we going to still thrive, you know, in this economy? I like the idea of crisis forcing realignment. Like you said, alignment, right? Like nothing's in alignment right now. Like I think that's what crisis brings out to the surface. Like it forces all of the crap that you were doing for the sake of doing it, all the places you were focusing your time that you probably shouldn't have been focusing your time on, all of the bad mistakes that you made that are now falling to the light because you didn't do the right thing. And it's like this giant cosmic sort of realignment, if you would, crisis on a global scale like it is right now. And and I, I love the idea of it, like, to me, it seems like you've sort of leaned into crisis as an opportunity to bring out the version of you that you either knew was possible or you knew was necessary. Can you kind of extrapolate on some of that? Yeah, I think you don't see it until you're through it, right? We always say it's the gift that's wrapped in sandpaper, right? It's still a gift, right? When I look at my childhood and it taught me how to be strong, taught me how to be a good mom right? I'm such a protective mom. I'm such a, you know, not hovercraft, right? They're still independent and I want them to be amazing women in the world, but I learned how to be a mom from how my parents were not, right? I yeah. learned to love from how my parents were not and not bad or wrong. They did the best that they could. I don't condone the behavior, but I definitely forgive them. And right. it, that was their journey, but it made me a really strong woman and a really protective mom. So I see now, not as a child, but I see now that that was a gift that was wrapped in sandpaper, right? It wasn't the prettiest package, right? It wasn't, didn't have pretty bows on it. It's gritty, hard, right? This right now is a gift that's wrapped in sandpaper. Or all the racial tension is a gift that's wrapped in sandpaper that you and I can be on a call and love each other and have affinity for each other. And it doesn't matter. We're not the same color, right? We, right. we are, our values are aligned. We're like-minded. We want to protect and serve and you know, that's a beautiful thing. And if we got to go through some ugliness and people have to share their feelings, then let's do that, right? Let's have the hard conversations so that we can get to the other side and treat us all as one, right? The equality that we're craving in our country. Yes, there's right. people that aren't. Yes, there's people that are old school. But for the most part, when I look at my community, my tribe, the people that I'm surrounding myself with, we're like enough, right? I love my brothers and sisters. I love what we're up to. And yes, there's, there's unfairness in the world and to go, how do we navigate that together hand in hand? How do you and I hold hands and do that together? You know, how do we make that happen for our children and their children? Well, I think that you bring up a really important point of like tribe and community. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that most people make in times of crisis is that they have to figure it all out on their own. Yes. They have to figure it all out on their own. And so they go into their holes because of some story that they told themselves about their self-worth that's tied to if they don't figure this out on their own, then they're not good enough. And then they have to compare themselves to someone else who did figure it out on their own when they don't really realize that the person who figured it out actually just reached out to a bunch of people. And, And so it's almost like crisis to me is like this great equalizer. It's this great this great refresh and and it's not a reset. I think it is a refresh. It's this opportunity for you to not necessarily even change the things around you, but elevate what's inside of you and then have the conversations you need to have to, to support and thrive over time. I want to kind of go back to the first time you experienced crisis. I know you had a lot of stuff growing up, but like after you sort of developed your identity, after you sort of kind of had your like you had created the the ego or like kind of the identity of who you were, right? Yes. Like, can you describe 
your first crisis and how differently you approach crisis now versus the way you did then? Mm. So I married a man of color and, you know, I just fell in love with him. He's beautiful. This beautiful man, you know, look, I, was, <laughs> I grew up in a big family. There was nine of us. Bobby, Ronnie, Stevie, Terry, Joni, Shelley, Susie, Kelly, Debbie, right? So nine of us. <laughs> and <laughs> my dad said, well, God bless him, right? When you're 18, you move out, get a job, get a husband, get out, right? That's pretty much the game plan. And so I met this beautiful man who, you know, I just saw him. I'm like, Raji had a checkbook and a car and muscles. Like, what else do you need? He made my heart flutter. That must be love and that must be a husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then I didn't realize that the world was not aligned with a mixed couple, right? The, the prejudice I experienced and, you know, I could take it on myself, right? But then when I had children, like, you're going to judge me because my babies are brown. You're going to judge me because like literally when I was in this grocery store and this lady said, is, are, is your babies mixed? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, we don't need any more of those in the world. I'm like, excuse me, excuse me. Oh my God. Me? Like, it, it's what does that even mean? Like I was so flabbergasted at that such the harshness of the reality that the community that I'm living in doesn't align with me having these children. And that was hard. That was, I never had to experience racism like that as a white woman, right? You experience racism because you're a woman, but that's different, right? That's, you know, you get objectified or whatever, right? Not, because of the color of your skin. And right. so that crisis, my family ostracized me. They didn't come to my wedding. They didn't come to the birth of my children. They didn't, you know, accept me because of the man I loved. I'm like, I don't understand. We, I love this person. He loves me. Like, wh- what is going on? And trying to navigate that by myself, right? My daughter, who was three at the time, this is back in the day, we used to wear nylons, right? And I had these white nylons in my back seat. And my daughter put it on her arm and she said, mommy, look at me. I'm pretty. I'm white, just like you. Oh. And I'm like, oh, hell no. Like, what? And just seeing that I put my children in this world that was predominantly white. And I didn't realize it. Like I put them in a Christian school and I started looking at the school and realized there's no teacher of color, men or women, right? There were a couple mixed kids of different races, but primarily white. I'm like, I have completely been oblivious to what my children are experiencing. So that day I said, not on my watch. Like I can be a lot of amazing things, but I need my children to know who they are. I need my children to know that their full lips and round hips and kinky hair is beauty. That this representation of this one kind of woman is not just beautiful. That they're so beautiful. Right. And I had to find a tribe, a community that would accept me. And it was hard. It was hard on both sides. The black community didn't accept me and the white community didn't accept me. And so I struggled to find where do I find my people that one can have. I wanted my children to see themselves. I wanted my children to experience relationship. Right. And it became a driving force of I need this for my children. I need this for me so that I, my children can learn to love and, and see themselves as powerful women in the world and found the great community, found my tribes and they, you know, accepted me. And it, it's been a rocky road. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. It's, it hasn't been easy, but you have to have a commitment and crisis bigger than yourself. 
we have to have a commitment in crisis that there's a bigger outcome. There's a bigger lesson. There's, there's something in it. I did it for my children. I did it for their safety, their well-being, their mental well-being, right? And in every crisis that I've been through, it's, there's been a bigger cause. Like even right now, my bigger cause is not only my business, but my clients' businesses, right? If they're trying to cancel coaching with me, it's like, hold up. Don't, I am the best thing that you're going to have because I'm going to get you through this. We're going to find the money. We're going to pivot. Don't, don't quit. That doesn't make any sense, right? Keep the things that are helping you leverage this time, you know, so that you're not alone. I think in crisis, the worst thing you can do is isolate. The worst thing you can do because your, your mind chatter gets the best right. of you, yep. right? That, that evil twin that lives in all of our head, right? That you're not good enough and you can't do this. And, you know, no one's going to pay that now. No one's going to do this now. That commentary, right, will isolate you. You've got to get in a community that the truth will set you free, that you can say all your mistakes. You can talk about what's working, that's working. Right. right. That's what's valuable about this conversation that you're bringing every single week is like, let's be conscious of what's around us. Let's, let's be cause in the matter. Let's cause transformation. It doesn't just happen. We cause it, you cause it. Right. I caused that for my children. I could have been oblivious and stayed in my safe little white bubble, but the reality is who would my children be now? When I look at them, like we're, you know, our communities, our tribes are very multicultural and, they see themselves and like, that's power. Like, okay, I'm a, I did a good job as a mom. Phew, right. Made it happen. Okay. That's beautiful. You said something about having a cause bigger than the crisis for people who may not know what that cause is. Right. Or maybe to, maybe they haven't taken the time to really sink into that. Right. Maybe they haven't had the time or they think that it's not worth the time. Like, how would somebody who's going through a tough period right now find the voice of reason that can allow that cause to be the thing worth fighting for? It's just a great distinction, right? Because there's stuff you just take for granted. I just take it for granted now because I hear the voice. I, hear, I, know, I know the cause. Yeah. So when I was younger, I didn't know the cause. I just, I just had this like knocking of, you need to play bigger it's not about money, right? I was, as a hairdresser, I was making a quarter million dollars a year, but there was this knocking of there's something bigger inside of you. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm happy. I'm good. I'm making money. I can just sit back. I call it God. You call it whatever you want. I'm very spiritual. I'm very aligned right. with purpose, but I have to, I have to listen. And like people wait till the knock gets so big, right? That it's like, I, you can't ignore it anymore. Oprah said one time, they said, what would you do differently if you had to do it all over again? She said, I would listen to the whisper and mm -hmm. I wouldn't wait till it was a tsunami. The whisper comes in and you discredit it. Like you need to write a book and you go, oh, I'm not a writer. You need to be a speaker. Oh, I'm not a speaker. You need to open a business. I don't know how to open a business. You need to raise $10 million. I don't know how to raise money. That's the knock, right? So if you can get in a quiet place and just journal what comes up, Right. That's where the best work comes for me is when I'm journaling, right? To hear. And it's craziness, right? I'm like, that's crazy. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't want to do half the things that I hear. But then I then I walk through it and really listen to go, what how do I want to play that? What do I want to do with that? And then I'm obedient. Right. You do have to be obedient to your higher power, your higher being. And go, what's that thing I'm supposed to be doing in the world? I'm very spirit led. I'm very being in the relationships that I'm in. 
being the business choices I make, right? It's all analyze, I analyze it and I have data that proves it, right? And so I, I quantify it on paper, but I listen and I'm obedient to the purpose and what I need to do next. How do you learn to trust it? How do you learn to trust that voice when you may not have had practice trusting that voice before? It's baby steps, right? It's an easy one is, and most people do this, is your voice says, say something and you don't say something, right? Because you're afraid, like I'm afraid to, if you're in confrontation or you know something's not right or you know there's an upset, you're like, we hold it in, we suppress it. But that little voice says, say something right now and you discount it. I want you, instead of discounting it, say something like baby steps to go. Then what I find that happens is most people are receptive, right? They're like, oh, thank you for sharing that. When you're not attacking, right, whatever, whatever is there, whether it's acknowledging someone, you know, that voice says they need to hear you love them or they need to, you know, if you just say, oh, my gosh, thank you for serving. Thank you for who you are. Like acknowledgement is a great place to start because we all hear it in our belly. We all hear it in our heart but we're just scared. You have to work through the fear, hold fear in one hand and courage in the other and just jump. I've done some crazy things because of the knock, right? And I didn't know how to do it. You know, we raised for Lisa Nichols when I ran her company, you know, we raised $2 million. We took the company public, right? Raised money, got certified with the SEC, which is crazy bananas hard. Hmm. We didn't know how to do it when we started, but we just listened to the knock and found the experts and went, this is what we need to do, right? This is the path. This is the journey. This is where we are. And then finding the resources and the people to help you execute that, whatever that is. Finding the right coaches, the right mentors, right? And really do due diligence. Don't just get all, you know, excited about who they are. No, do the due diligence. Did the, what's the results that they help people produce, right? And don't be afraid to ask those questions. You're going to spend money with people. Whatever, whether it's a copywriter, web designer, you know, coach, financial coach, find this one financial code rush that want to help manage my money. And I'm like, awesome. What what are your assets? They're like, excuse me, what is your portfolio? Share Share with me how you've done in your portfolio. She's like, well, I'm not at liberty to share that. I'm like, well, then I'm not at liberty to work with you. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm not giving you my money. (laughs) It's really interesting because what I'm hearing right now, even I love the baby steps of saying something you feel like saying, because usually that's rooted in truth. Yeah. Right. Truth is kind of like the undercurrent of that calling, that voice. It may not even be your truth. Like, let's say there's Susie over here, but you've got then like higher self Susie over here and higher self Susie is honest. It's not, she's not fearful. She's got this, like this persona that's, and she knows the plan well before we do. And I found this in my life too. Like the more I lean into actually being honest with myself, not even like honesty with others is, I think is, is a value that's really important. But if you're not honest with yourself and if you're not being radically real with like, Hey, this is something I need to do. This is something I need to say. You can tell yourself a little white lie that, Hey, I'm not ready. Right. Which then turns into another white lie, which then turns into another white lie. And in my experience, those white lies lead to eight years later having a tsunami explode. <laughs> and then right. all of a sudden the bottle just tops off because you can't contain, you can't right. contain the truth. The truth always wants to flow. And that's what I think those knocks are, right? Initially it's a whisper. 
Yes. But when it starts to get to that large knock on the door, pounding, right? Pounding. That's when like, you can't, you can, you can only slow down the truth, but you can't stop it. Right. And, and it's uh, training yourself to tune into it. Like we say it in relationships, right? That's great. Another great way to see, oh, I've listened to my voice when the, they say, get out. <laughs> right. We've all have been in those relationships where you're like, how did I get here? Right. I paid way too much for my personal development to be here, right? Wherever here is for you. And then that voice that says, get out, and then you get out, finally, however long it takes you. But you got to just tune in to go, when, when have I done that? So that you can really tap into it. We want to tune in, tap in, so you can have that experience and see the miracles that are all around you. It's, it's we sabotage. How right? do you tune We're, in? It's listening to that, listening to that little voice, trusting that little voice, saying something when you hear it. If you see something, say something. I'm training my assistant, right? I'm like, dude, you have something to say to me right now. You're just afraid. So say it, say mm. it. What is it? And she's like, well, and she'll, she'll say whatever it is. Like maybe I hurt her feelings or maybe she has a better way to do something. I'm like, awesome. I'm all for a better way to do something. See something, say something. It doesn't, not that I'll agree with you hundred percent, but at least you're saying your truth. And then that's going to build her esteem and her belief in herself muscle, right? You got to believe in yourself. You've got to have that, that belief to go, you are an intelligent person, right? I think we're so judged, right? In school, you've got to get this grade. You got to behave this certain way. And so we've learned how to tone down everything. And I want to say, tone it up, turn it up, tone it up to go. I want to live out loud. I want to speak my truth. I want to honor people. I want to be able to really make the difference in the world. I can't do that being silent. I can't do that. I got to share my stories, right? Nobody wants to share the ugly truth, like the mm. ugly stuff I've been through. But the reality, it's my journey. And there's someone that needs to hear that no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've been through, you can recreate who you are. I reinvented my whole life. I should be in a trailer park. <laughs> when I look at how I grew up and the environment I grew up and the abuse we grew up in, I should not be here. But I chose differently, consciously at an early age, going, I don't want that. I didn't know how to get that the thing I wanted, but I knew what I didn't want. I want to live in that. I don't want to live in fear. Now I started repeating my pattern, right? Married the wrong person. And then went, Oh wait, I don't, I don't want my children to see this. I'm just doing what I grew up in. This is wrong. This is dysfunctional, right? This is not healthy. Mm. Luckily for me, my bigger why, my bigger cause was my kids to go, Oh, this is not who I want them to be as women. This is not love. This is not, and then I had to, I had to search around, what is love? I don't know what love is because it's not that. That can't possibly be love, right? That can't possibly be what relationships are supposed to be like. But we don't know. We just, we're, we are, so many of our beliefs are inherited. They're yep. inherited from our family. They're inherited from our community. They're inherited from your, your genetics. They're inherited from your culture to go, wait, I don't, that's not my value. So let me pick mine, right? Take the time to go, what are my values? Mine are love, peace, hope, joy inspiration and integrity. They're just, that's who I live. That's who I be. Not that I don't make mistakes. I make mistakes all day long. Not perfect, right? But I'm responsible for 100% of what I do, positive and negative. I have to look at how did I bring that situation to me and how will I handle that if it's a negative thing, right? And to go, okay, what am I going to learn? What am I going to learn? What am I going to learn? Right? It's a really scary place to operate from when you're taking that much ownership of your life. I think it's very exciting. Mm. Well, that's good. I, I like that you said that because I, I've always believed that fear and excitement are just two sides of the same energy. 
Like if you go to right. an athlete and you ask an athlete, like I think I saw this video. It was like a video that I don't know if Simon Sinek or someone shared online. And it was like this like beautiful video of this reporter going to the athlete and asking the athlete if he was nervous. And the athlete was like, no, I'm kind of excited. So it was beautiful that there was literally like two contrasts to the same coin. Like the athlete was sitting there taking the same energy that the reporter was feeling. And instead of interpreting it as fear, it was interpreted as like thrill. And uh, I just love that you caught me doing that because I just, I, yeah. You're absolutely right. Fear and excitement are the same physical emotional response. It's what we label it, right? Mm-hmm. Think of a roller coaster. I personally don't like roller coasters. <laughs> they make me want to pee my pants. But somebody else can get on a roller coaster and be completely thrilled and excited. But the same physical response we're having in is what we label it. So look at your label to go, oh, I realized, you know, I speak professionally and travel all over the world and speak, but I did not like speaking when I first started. It would scare me. I'd get a stomach ache. I'd go to the bathroom. I'd throw up. I'd be like, just, oh my, why am I putting myself through all this emotion? But on the other side, I loved it, right? It was euphoric when you see somebody's, the light bulb will go off and they're, they get it. They got that aha. They got the insight. They're like, oh my gosh, I'll never be the same. So I'm like, okay, I've got to have a different relationship because I can't throw up before I go on stage every single time. I'm like, how do I relabel this? How do I reprogram what I'm thinking about? Then I started getting present to butterflies is excitement, right? Mm. To go, oh, let me, I am excited because the other side is euphoric. The other side is I did something so scary And I feel so accomplished, right? Number one fear in life is public speaking. Number two is death by fire. Most people would rather burn in hell than they would to get on a stage. And they go, okay, I got to reprogram my mindset around this and start meditating, start really seeing myself having fun, you know, in it, not fun on the other side, right? (laughs) Really seeing myself ease and grace getting on stage and visualizing the whole process from beginning to end. And I, I would pray before I would go out. It's not about me. The minute I took it off of me, Raj, the minute I said, it's not about me, it's about you. That my story, my, the lesson is about transforming your life, not about Susie and my ego, right? Because I think you can make it all about you and then you're trying to be perfect and that's stressful. Well, I don't have to be perfect. I, I'm uniquely me and the stories that I have and the journey that I've had and the life that I led Somebody needed to hear that. Somebody needed to hear that story, whatever that story was inside the lesson, right? Stories bring context to the lesson you're trying to teach. So what's the content and context that you want to have somebody experience on the other side? Stories allow us to bridge that gap and feel your humanity. And so you're just not all linear and bring that emotional connection and the love and the, you know, whatever emotional, I clearly, I want to have people feel, feel love and experience love. It's one of my values and my, it's just who I am. And so for me, how do I translate that to go? We're not alone, we're community, we're tribe, you're loved, you're adored. And so flipping that switch in my own head, you know, starting to realize that the jitter started to go away. I still get nervous, but it's an excited nervous. And I still, like, I just caught myself, I get nervous. Well, no, I'm excited. <laughs> just to flip that switch immediately in my head to go, oh, let me retrain myself. I think we're lazy as human yep. beings, right? It's like, this is life and this is what it is. No, choose. Quit being lazy. I had a really right? good friend. She shared this. I love this. She was like, being negative is, is lazy. Yeah. Because it's so easy. It's so yeah. easy to be negative. Like, it's like the laziest thing you can do. And I guess I had a deeper question for you because 
I'm really sensing a thread of like radical sort of acceptance of all of you in the way you're describing it. And I see that it creates a certain set of confidence, like in giving yourself the permission to make mistakes or fail or even being accepting of all the sides of you that may have led to someone else experiencing pain. And there's like this sort of kind of very spiritual nature of acceptance, unconditional acceptance that I find very fascinating about you. What is the role that self-love plays in, in, in your own abilities as an entrepreneur, specifically as a leader? Like, Because I think leaders in particular are the hardest on themselves. So like, how do you sort of balance that unconditional acceptance and love aspect with sort of the responsibilities that you may take on as a leader? Mm, I love that. Love is a verb, right? It's an action word. And I think we use love as, I love you, Raj. Like it's a, like it's this passive thing. Mm. But love truly is an act of service. If I love you, there's certain things you need as a man to feel and experience love. You know, we've all, I don't know if we've all read it, but the book, Our Love Language, What's Our Love Language? So when I look at myself, when I look at my family, my community, what, what do I need to experience love, show love, feel loved, right? And I think because I grew up in an environment that was not lovable, it wasn't loving, that it's truly one of the things that is so important to me that anyone that comes in my world, I want them to experience, even if it's for a moment, to have that unconditional, I don't want anything from you, Raj, I just want to celebrate you for who you are and the contribution that you make. But I can't love until I love myself. And that was years and years of personal development, aka therapy, right? (laughs) To accept the sides of me, to accept the sides of my family, to accept the the choices that I've made to accept and be responsible for the, the wrongings I did and be accountable and responsible. And that's developing a muscle, right? The only way you're going to get good at something is keep trying that skill set. And so I have to consciously use this skill set called self-love because you can't love me. My, you can't fill my bucket, right? I, I always say I'm like a mm-hmm. colander girl. You know, like when you have spaghetti and you put the spaghetti in and the water comes out, we as human beings are colanders, right? I can say, I love you, Raj. And then five minutes later, you'll be like, how about now? (laughs) (laughs) How about now? You love me now? How about now? How about now? (laughs) How about now? (laughs) Right? Five minutes later, right? You can say, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. Okay, thank you. How about now? Right? (laughs) I think it's important that you have to know what your holes are. Like, I know what my holes are. I know that. I have to one say if my needs aren't being met, and that is a big skill set to go. Um, my needs aren't being met because breakdown occurs when your the expectation is unfulfilled. But we don't ever say the expectations. If you and I get in a relationship, I just want you to be the rock star man. Well, how are you supposed to know how to be the rock star man to me if I don't tell you here's how to be the rock star man to me? Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like one of my love languages is acts of service, you know, and verbal acknowledgement words of affirmation so do some stuff for me and tell me i'm hot <laughs> that's pretty easy <laughs> not really easy <laughs> easy peasy easy i'm so breezy and easy so it's important to identify what is your love language what is and then what do you what do you want to be known for i want when you interact with me i want to just have you see your greatness i want i want to be a mirror you to own your light because 
if I can give you that, then you're going to give it to somebody else, right? We're going to be able to spread that. And that's the beautiful part of truly loving yourself because loving yourself is giving yourself the permission to be authentically yourself. And when you shine so bright in front of, doesn't matter in what way, it could be through your work, it could be through your character and the way you walk into a room, it could be the way you make people feel, it could be just the way you laugh and smile, it could be your energy, it doesn't matter what essence is being emanated through your being. When you truly shine and give yourself the permission to be fully, authentically, unapologetically yourself, you are clearing the way for others to taste that within themselves. And I love the idea of being a mirror, right? Like I found the best mentors in my life have always been mirrors. They're not giving me handouts. They're giving me hand ups because they show me what's possible just by being in their presence. When I see them acting with integrity, when I see them acting in that, in that courageous sort of role, I find that in me. And I think that's one of the most beautiful parts of tribe during times of crisis, coming back to kind of what we were initially talking about is like, when you can surround yourself with a tribe, people that are all shining in their own way, right? Celebrating their uniqueness, leaning into this comfort, having that, like it's inspiring. And those are the stories that show us the indomitable power of the human spirit, which is such a delicious idea. Right. That we're all connected by this one fabric of humanity and we've all got this soul that's just itching for more. Itching for real conversations, right? Itching for that authenticity. I had a coach, her name is Char Spiritos, and she said to me, Susie, you honor the dignity of human spirit when you call people on their crap, right? Not for malicious intent, not for your ego, your gain, but for them to see what's possible right? For them to see who they're being or how they're being, right? So I'm, I'm a tough love coach, right? I'm going to tell you what you don't want to hear, show you what you don't want to see so that you could be the person you knew that you could be. That's the kind of, that's the kind of people I want to surround myself with. I don't want yes people around me, right? I want people to go, Hey, that's, Hey, Hey, what's up with that? That's not right. Or that's uncomfortable. Or, Hey, can you work on this? Can you apologize for that? Can you like whatever, right? I, I want, I think I've been around too many leaders that have surrounded themselves with people who don't push back, that don't question status quo or what we're doing and how we're doing it. Well, if I have to tell you how to do your job, one of us isn't needed, right? That's not my job to tell you how to do your job. My job is to find amazing people that can live inside the culture and take their job or their role to the next level. So I think being able to with no malicious intent, hold people accountable, right? Because mm. people that want to put people down or suppress that or, and that that's for their gain or their ego, not for your gain and your ego, right? My goal is to help you and I don't have to be right about it. I just get to be right on about, here's what I see. How do you want to handle that? Yeah, right. And I think it goes back to hand ups. Like my closest mentors, I mean, I would not be where I am without Right. Like the, the people in my life that have just somehow, some way, just found, we found each other in our lives. I don't know how, but it just kind of came in. I guess I'm also curious to hear, how do you know when you found a person who you want to, like, like when you believe, like, like what are the markers of you finding somebody like, and I'm just curious here, because like there have been mentors in my life where I just like, I don't know why or how I'm like, yes, you right. You're the person. Like, I don't know why. I got I got to figure out a way to make this happen. Right. Like, 
what are the voices or what are the feelings you get in your body when you see someone like that in your, like in your periphery? I think it is a physical, a physical response, right. To, you know, Lisa Nichols, I met her, my kids were three and five and I was looking for a black woman who could really guide me through this thing with my children, right. Really be an auntie, really help me navigate both worlds. And, you know, when I saw her, it was like, oh, my God, this is what I've been looking for. This woman was talking about her full hips, her full lips, her kinky hair and loving herself. And, you know, at that time she was, you know, heavier and just loving her body and loving who she was. And I went up to her scared to death and I said, listen, I would love to work with you somehow. I would love I would love for you you know, to be an auntie to my kids. And she looked at me, she's like, okay. We had been on the speaking circuit together. So we'd seen each other, right. Kind of waving like two unicorns. Like there's another lady, right. We were on this faculty of 40 men. We were the only woman. She was the only woman of color, right. I was the only other woman. So we were like unicorns at this event, like but busy, right. You know how events are. You're just back to mm-hmm. back. Right. Went up to her and I said, Hey, I would love, love to get to know you more, but more importantly, I'm, I'm really looking for, you know, a mentor for my children. She's like, okay. <laughs> okay. White lady. But why? And I'm like, Oh, let me tell my, I have two African-American daughters and I'm just looking for powerful role models. I'm not saying you have to do anything, but, and she just burst into tears. Right. And we hugged each other. She goes, Oh my God, I would love to help you. I'm your courage of just asking for support and help. And, you know, did I know if she was the right person? I don't know, but my, I was led to her right? Really looked at who she was. I knew her, knew of her. And, you know, that's been a 20 year relationship of navigating this world in both worlds, right? This Caucasian world and this African-American world that has come together. And how do I bring both worlds and support each other, love each other, be a stand for each other? Yeah. It's almost like knowing your own values is the mirror for being able to see it in someone else. Like I've always found that like my favorite mentors I see values in them. And the only reason I can see it in them is because I can see it in myself. Right. And that's usually like the, Oh, this person's a few steps ahead of me and they're, they may not look like me. They may not sound like me, but there's some essence that I sense and I feel, and it's, and I don't know why, but I'm just going to trust. You said you're very spiritual. I'm super spiritual too. What is your relationship with like surrender and just the idea of, letting go and inviting and, and like, how do you sort of navigate the idea of something like surrender during times that are, that are difficult, especially like right now? I, I used to have a really hard time with that word and being obedient because <laughs> I felt like one, you're going to be the boss of me and two, that I'm out of control. Right. <laughs> and controls a delusion, right. You're never in control. So one is, it has to be my life. It can't be something I visit, right? So my praying, like I pray every morning. I pray throughout the day, right? Just if I'm, if I'm stressed, I get silent and I pray. If I'm overwhelmed, I get silent and I pray. And I think I've lived long enough now where I so surrender and trust prayer and I so surrender and trust the voice and trust the outcome of it, even if it, it hurts sometimes, you know, making decisions and like, I'm scared, 
but it's always been better on the other side. It's always been, you know, another opportunity or you don't know why you did what you did. You were just being obedient. Um, so it, it's a practice, right? It's like getting in shape, right? I have, I have to work out. I, I was in 10 car accidents, Raj. And the last one I had to have neck surgery and back surgery. Wow. And so my body, if I do not exercise, if I do not eat right, if I don't eat clean, you get inflammation, I bloat, I, I can't move. I physically cannot move. And I refuse to take pain meds and I refuse to stay in bed. So I'm like, what do I have to do to take care of my body? It, it is a discipline. I don't want to work out all the time, right? I, I want to eat pizza, right? <laughs> I want to eat donuts, but I can't eat that kind of stuff because it doesn't work for my body. And from an inflammation standpoint, and because I've been in so many accidents, it'll lock my, my back up and my neck up and physical pain is debilitating. Anyone that knows that, anyone that has any kind of pain. So I, I have practices that I have to put in place, right? I'm standing up because I, I can't sit down for long periods of time. So I, I've got a stand-up desk. That's what I need to do, right? So I've got to stretch. I've got to, I have a, a spin bike at home so that I can keep working out to just keep my body strong so that I, I'm not in physical pain, but that wasn't easy. That's been, you know, really a, a 10 year journey of figuring out that if I don't exercise, I'm in debilitating pain and I want to take yeah. medicine. So surrender is an exercise. Surrender is a discipline. Surrender is a trust. Surrender is if I see the outcome, like I see the outcome of my body and my physical pain and my, my energy when I work out. So I trust it now, even when I don't want to, where I'm like, all right, let me do it's like I'm human. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm yeah, snuggle, yeah. right? You know, snuggle in that snuggly bed and you know relax. And and the reality is, then that's a different choice, right? Then I'll be in pain. Then I'll be grumpy. Then I won't have energy for my clients or for my children or to do anything else. So surrender is a discipline. Surrender is an exercise. It's not something that just happens. And every yeah. every discipline that's worth something in your life is. Is, is a structure, right? It's, it doesn't just happen. Everything we do from business to personal relationships, there is, there's a building process. There's a commitment process that you have to yeah. do. I just want the outcome, right? And if the outcome is my life is amazing, the discipline of praying, the discipline of meditating, however you get there, whatever that is, figure out how it works for you. Right there, because you don't have to like sit and kumbaya. I'm gonna, you know, that doesn't have to be it. I'm praying all day. I just close my eyes and I'm quickly dialing in to go let that go. What what do I need to hear? Because your body's telling you something when you're stressed out. Listen to what your body's telling you. Listen to the message. It doesn't just get stressed out, right? And alter that. We can alter your state of mind. You can alter the state of how you're being. By tapping into, let's that tune in, tap in, tune in, tap in, listen to, this is an amazing ecosystem, your body. So what, what do I need to hear in this moment? What am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? Stress is, what am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? Mm-hmm. Right? When I work long hours, right? When I work, you know, 15 hour days, my body says, no, thank you. And it gives me a migraine. No, thank you. And I'm like, damn it. I didn't manage it. And I knew, like, I knew, like you see it, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to pay for this. It's like drinking too much, right? You're like, oh, I'm going to pay for this. And then you drink anyways. You're like, woohoo. And then the next day you're like, I'll never drink like that again. <laughs> Until you forget and then you do it again, you know? <laughs> One of those things that I like about surrender being a discipline 
and you said it like, you know, the outcome, right? Like, you know, like you've, I think you've gone through enough experiences in your life to where like, you've seen the outcomes of like, Hey, I may not have all the answers right now, but I'm going to practice trusting. And then somehow, some way the road always finds me. And I think that that faith, you know, it isn't something you just have to experience on your own. For anyone listening, like you listening to Susie's story, you hearing stories of things working out for people, you can choose to put your attention on the fact that we may not have all the cards and sure the presence from the universe may come wrapped in sandpaper, but that doesn't mean that they're not presents. And just because we're looking at what's in front of us right now, this crisis, this situation here in this moment, we can't make sense of it, doesn't mean that it isn't there to evoke a sense of purpose, a sense of self, a sense of love, a sense of connection, or even give you a chance to explore a story that you haven't told yourself before. And I love everything about what you stand for, Susie. Like, I know we didn't even talk, like, like your book is, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's like, the, my biggest thing, I love episodes where we just dive into the human being and I, now I'm super excited to, to go through the book and read it. Can you talk a little bit about Power Your Profits and more so like the story behind why, like why this book and why now? Yeah. So this book, right, is 35 years of making. I've had seven multi-million dollar companies. I've had nine companies. Two were a dismal failure, right? <laughs> you got to have those. You got to have those in there <laughs> if you're going to grow any kind of company. And my sweet spot is finding the money. And I'm very naturally creative. And so I have to have system and structure around me or I would get nothing done. And I learned that early on. The more systematic I could be, it allowed me to be more creative. And my gift working with entrepreneurs is finding the money. My client said, Susie, you know what you do for us? I'm like, yes, I give you strategy. I give you plans. I'm like, okay, no, you don't. Do yes, you do that, but that's not it. You are the profit coach. You find us money. And I think because I've always been a hustler entrepreneur, like nothing was ever handed it to me, handed to me. So I've always had to figure out how to make money to pay for you, right? How do I make money to pay Raj? How do I make money to hire a marketing person? How do I make money to, I didn't have money laying around. I didn't, you know, so I had to create the money, right, in my products and my services. And so building a multi-million dollar company is all about structure. So let's, let me give you, the book is almost, you know, when you go bowling and those bumper rails come up, if you're bowling with mm -hmm. little kids, yeah. right? The book is the bumper rails is I want you to hit the pin, stay in the bumper rails and you will hit the pin, throw the ball, hit the pin. I'm going to be the bumper rail. So Power Your Profit is really giving you from sales, marketing, operations, what are you great at? What's missing? Let's dial it in. And what are the simple, doable things you can do, right, in order to create profit in your business? Because profit is how we get paid as entrepreneurs. It doesn't matter if you do a million dollars in sales, if you're spending two million, right, or a million and one. That doesn't mean anything. Okay, yay, you have gross sales. That, that's not building your wealth. That's not building your portfolio. That's not creating money for you. That's not having you have a million dollar paycheck. Let's get you a million dollar paycheck, right? And you have to, we have to as entrepreneurs, wrap your mind and your heart around this money conversation and quit avoiding it, quit avoiding what money is. And I just, I'll just work harder. No, that doesn't make money. <laughs> Let's be mm. strategic. Let's create, I like to, you know, do these complicated things called business and business, business finance and simplify it. Right. All my spreadsheets I created for me because I felt stupid. 
right? I would talk to my CPAs or my accountants and I felt so dumb. And I'm like, how do I make this easier for me? And then I found other entrepreneurs wanted my spreadsheets and they were, they were feeling stupid too. Like, okay, I made this spreadsheet. It was like our secret. Gosh, I made this spreadsheet. You want to see it? It's like, oh my God, can I have that spreadsheet? I'm like, you want <laughs> like I thought I was the only one feeling stupid, right? I thought everybody else had this business finance thing handled. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a CPA. I love when accountants and CPAs, they want to stump the coach. I'm like, dude, my job is to make the money. Your job is to manage that stuff. My job is to show them how to bring it all in and you get to manage that. That's not my job. I'm not even going to pretend I'm that. I'm about finding a way that you can leverage your assets and you are the first asset we need to leverage. And let's make some money together. So Power Your Profits is all about that. And so when you pre-order the book, the book comes out in September. Go to PowerYourProfitsBook.com. We give you $5,000 worth of bonuses. I mean, look at wisdom and wealth because your mindset, your net worth will only go as high as your self-worth. If you're not managing your money mindset, I can teach you to make a million, but you will spend it all and then you'll still be broke. So you got to manage that. We got to work that out. I give you six of my top spreadsheets, my, the ones that I made for me because I felt stupid to go, let's figure out how you should charge pricing. Most of us just pull it out of our hiney and go, Ross charges this, Susie charges this, I'm going to charge this. That's not how you create pricing, but we don't know. We make it up, you know, based on what everybody else is doing, but they're business model is dysfunctional. Don't create your pricing on their dysfunction. Create it on our profitability and what we want to create. Mm. But lots of bonuses, you know, so when you buy the book, you can get into action right now. Right now. Wait. Beautiful. Well, everybody listening, we'll make all of these show notes available or the links available in the show notes for you guys to take advantage of. Susie, I got one last question for you. In the midst of everything you've been through, everything you're doing and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? Mm, that one's easy. That's my babies. That's my family, right? That is my happy place. That's why I am who I am is I wanted to bring, give my children something I didn't have. I wanted to give them safety. I wanted to give them love. I wanted to give them a world that was safe. And so to this day, my children are my why. Mm. I felt that. I felt that deep. Thank you so much, Susie, for sharing just who you are, your, your essence. And I mean, you do so much, but I, I really appreciate you just opening up and sharing so many different aspects of this journey we're on. And um, I learned so much. I'm just really grateful that I got a chance to sit here and just be a silent observer and curious listener alongside many others. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for the work you're doing in the world and sharing me with your tribe so that we can spread more love, more possibility, and more wealth. Because wealth is our birthright. It's not for some of us, it's for all of us. We just oh, I love that. Well, everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Susie. And from us, stay grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast 
Read in our thoughtful posts or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.